Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Jeff Kinley concludes his series on God's Great Reset planned for planet Earth and humanity. Friends, God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. A resource for your new year is our Prophetic Observer newsletter. The Prophetic Observer is a publication of Southwest Radio Ministries that examines events which have prophetic significance. To the world, these situations might seem trivial or unimportant, but to the Christian, it shows God fulfilling His plan and purpose for mankind. In each issue of the Prophetic Observer, we examine topics or events that relate to the fulfillment of end-time prophecies. The Prophetic Observer has become one of our more popular features. Many of our listeners use these articles as a witnessing tool to friends and family or for church or home Bible studies. Sign up today and start receiving the Prophetic Observer monthly newsletter. 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Let's join author and teacher Jeff Kinley now for part two of his teaching on God's Great Reset. Last time we spoke with Jeff Kinley about the Great Reset, a term that is used by the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and other globalists to describe their goal of creating a globalist system. Jeff, let's review a little bit about what we talked about yesterday. Who is Klaus Schwab? What is the World Economic Forum? And what do these globalists mean when they speak about a great reset or global reset? Yeah, Klaus Schwab is this German educator that founded this thing called the World Economic Forum uh, way back in 1971. It was under a different name at that time. But for 50 years, they've been meeting every year in Davos, Switzerland, to talk about how they can essentially take the world and mold it into the image that they want it to be. Of course, these globalists are very pagan, godless people with very noble-sounding goals and and dreams and desires, but in the end, they're simply fulfilling Satan's long-awaited desire to rule the world, and they're simply being pawns in his hand. Ultimately, the master globalist is Satan, and in Global Reset, you list four areas how Satan works in our world today, the first of which is he darkens the mind. Now, how does Satan darken the mind? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he is the God of this world and that he blinds people's minds to the gospel. Obviously, he doesn't want the light of life, Jesus Christ, or the light of God's truth to come to people. So he prevents them from understanding that truth that God wants them to have, and he desires to be controlled and worshipped. And so he goes in and he brings in his deceptive world system that I believe is a part of what he's using today to basically control people's minds. I mean, in Romans 12, too, he talks about how do not be conformed to the world, Paul says, and that word conform means to be pressed into a mold. So Satan's using pressure. He's using cultural pressure, moral pressure, political pressure to keep people basically under wraps. The second way Satan works in our world today is he distracts desires. How does Satan divert our minds and our desires from the one thing that really matters? Well, he's the master of misdirection. He's like a great illusionist. He causes people to look at the shiny object in the distance as opposed to looking at the truth that's staring them in the face. And, you know, I talk about how in the parable of the sower and the soil that Satan is like the bird that comes and 
comes and snatches the word that's been sown in people's hearts. And so he distracts them with the desires of the world. He keeps them busy with the things of the world. And, you know, like in Matthew twenty four thirty seven, where Jesus said that the end times will be just as it was in the days of Noah, and they were eating and drinking and giving and marrying and giving in marriage. The same thing is happening today. Satan has people so distracted, the average person spends over five hours on their phone every day mm. just looking at social media and videos and all these things. We're being mind-numbed to death, and so he's distracting us from the things that really matter and putting us on the things that are just trivial. The third way Satan works in our world today is by deceiving hearts. Deception is one of the most powerful weapons in the devil's arsenal, isn't it? Well, it really is. The danger of deception is that when a person is deceived, they don't know that they're deceived, mm-hmm. because that's being what being deceived is all about, is you don't even realize that, that you're being deceived. And the Bible says that that deception is going to dramatically ramp up during the final days, of course, during the tribulation with the false prophet and his lies and miracles. But even before that, I believe that today Satan is using both subtle deception, as we've spoken of before, just blatant lies to try to lead people astray. And so it just tells us something of Satan's nature, because he cannot not deceive. In other words, the only thing he can do is deceive. Even when he tells the truth, he does it in such a way that it's very deceptive. And so Scripture warns us about the cunning deceptions or the schemes of the devil. And that's why it's so important, James, that we have discerning hearts and that we can see in the dark and see what Satan's doing. And the only way we can do that is by filling our minds with God's Word. The fourth way Satan works in our world is he dilutes truth. And you kind of alluded to that. You write in the book, in these last days, there's no shortage of those who dispute, dilute, reinterpret, reimagine, rewrite, and outright deny God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. Would you explain some of the ways that's happening today? If you go back to Genesis and you read the Genesis account, and if that is not true, then how in the world can we believe anything the rest of the Bible says? In other words, if we're going to allegorize Genesis, if Satan can get us to dilute what the literal interpretation of Genesis, then certainly we don't understand the rest of the Bible, and certainly not Revelation, of all things. We can't take that literally as well. And so what Satan does, it's a campaign of really diluting God's truth, of sending mixed signals about, did God really say, and it's what he said in the garden to Adam and Eve. So it begins really with creation. God didn't make the world. God didn't make you. He didn't make you a man like he thought you were all the way to Revelation, where Revelation is nothing more than really a a book of symbols. Nobody can understand it. Jesus is really not coming back. It's just a fairy tale book. And then it just goes on and on in our culture today with sexuality and identity and sanctity of life. It's not really a baby. So really Satan, on every area that God speaks on James authoritatively, Satan counterattacks that. He mocks that and he brings an alternate view to that. And so As Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, what are those who say good is evil and evil is good? Well, that's exactly what Satan is doing with every single area of sexuality, of gender, of morality, and of life itself, and particularly of our creation. This is James Collins, and I'm speaking today with Jeff Kinley. We're talking about Global Reset, a book that he co-wrote with Mark Hitchcock. And you can order a copy of this fantastic book right now by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number, once again, is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online at swrc.com. 
Jeff, I want to talk for a minute about China. You have a chapter in Global Reset on China. What is China's role in the Global Reset? Well, China really is leading the way in a lot of ways, modeling what a one-world government could look like, and they're doing so in many ways. Number one, China is really a society of surveillance. In other words, they surveil their citizens, they control their citizens. There have been entire cities of millions of people in China recently that have been under complete lockdown. They put people into essentially what become house arrest for not obeying the government concerning a certain protocols concerning COVID. So they surveil their people. There's a social credit system there where if you don't obey the values of the great society, then basically you can't buy. They won't let you buy or sell. They won't let you participate in the economy. They're also a growing economy themselves. They're growing the military. It's a dictatorial type rule, a tyrannical rule. And so they're punishing people for not obeying the governance of their society by keeping them from traveling. They'll slow down the internet speeds. They'll restrict their education, their travel, and that type of thing. So in those ways, I think China is really modeling on one scale. And it's not a small area as well. There are billions of people in China. So that's one way that China is doing that. What part does America play in Bible prophecy, and what is America's role in the coming global reset? I think one thing we can say about America and Bible prophecy that we can be pretty confident about is that America has been a great force for good in terms of the gospel. I think one statistic says we've funded up to 90% of really the world gospel outreach in the past century, and we've been really a leader in that regard. Also, America traditionally since 1948, has been an ally to Israel. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been blessed is is that we have been an ally to Israel. But at the same time, a lot of that's turning. The Judeo-Christian roots upon which America was founded have eroded, they've become rotten. And I believe that we are well into a Romans 1 abandonment protocol where God is really unleashing an abandonment wrath on America right now because of the fact that we've rejected him as creator We have speculated as to our own purpose in life, and we've gone our own ways. We've encountered a sexual revolution, a homosexual revolution. We have become a nation of godless people, of haters of God, as it says in the Scripture. And so we've really kind of modeled Romans 1. So because of that, I think that we're on a huge decline right now in America for many, many reasons. But as far as how that relates to the end times, James, I believe that when you study the Scripture, you know, people think they see America several places in the Bible, but specifically I don't see America mentioned in the end times. And so it begs the question, how can the most powerful nation on earth not play a major role in the end times? Something has to happen to America to cause us to be a rather, at the very most, an insignificant player on the world scene. I believe that something is going to be the rapture. Mm -hmm. I think the rapture is going to really decimate and gut America, not just from a numerical standpoint, but also economically and in every other way, just militarily and going down the line. I think America is going to really implode morally and economically and from a violent standpoint when the rapture hits. And so we will find ourselves at that point at our very weakest in our entire history. And we may perhaps either... Uh, assimilate into some other coalition that may be a part of Antichrist's ultimate campaign and world rule, or we may be attacked by some foreign force such as China or Russia. And so I don't really know what's going to happen in terms of that, but I do know that America is not going to be a player. I think one of the reasons is going to be the rapture. The second reason will be because she's simply not stood by Israel in these last days. 
Jeff, keeping on the subject of the rapture, you write about going to a play in London and being filled with expectation. You use that story as an illustration to show that the stage is set for the rapture. Would you share that story, that illustration? It was a great experience going to this incredible playhouse in downtown London, going to see, I think it was Les Mis. Just sitting there, you could hear the orchestra warm up, and you could see the lights being tested and the lights being dimmed. You could you know, hear the chatter backstage, and, and people had just a sense of something great's about to happen here. And then all of a sudden, everything just went quiet, and people stopped talking, the lights went down, the orchestra stopped playing, and all of a sudden, the band struck up and the curtain opened, and you were just blown away by what you saw. I think that's really a very appropriate description about what we see happening right now, is that we as the church, at least those who are looking forward to the coming of Christ, we're seeing the stage being set right now for really the rapture, although there are no specific signs for the rapture. We certainly are in a season of it and can see the signs of really revelation being set right now. And so we hear the orchestra playing. We see that the world stage is being set And all that really needs to happen is for there to be that silence before the curtain opens for Revelation. I think that silence is going to happen when Jesus is going to come back for his church. And even though there's going to be a trumpet blown at that time, it's not going to be really silent. But at the same time, I think that the illustration is appropriate in the sense that right now the church, the true church, I think is feeling that anticipation. And as we see all throughout the New Testament, over and over again, there's some 20-something references of Paul telling the church to eagerly await the coming of Christ, to be ready, to make yourself ready, to make himself pure, to purify himself. And so certainly the New Testament tells us to get ready for that. And so right now, I think we're in the season. Jeff, you and I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. How do you answer those who say that that is just escapism and believers must go through the tribulation? I would respond, first of all, by saying it is an escape. And by definition and by nature, by design, God made it an escape. Amen. Uh, In the same way, he escaped Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, and he escaped Noah from the flood. I think God is going to escape us, but it's not based upon just a desire to get out of hard times, because Jesus said in in John 16, he says, if you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. John 15, he said, that the world hates me, they're going to hate you. So certainly, you couldn't lay at the feet of believers over the past 2,000 years that we haven't gone through tribulation. Right now, there's like 165 countries that are actively persecuting Christians, and some are being killed for their faith, obviously. It's just that in America, we've just had it very, very good for a long time. Our culture, even our government, has sort of had our back. We've been on a home field advantage, but those tides are really turning right now. So it's not that Christians won't go through tribulation, it's that we won't go through the tribulation. And the way I think that is best defined by that, James, is the fact that the tribulation represents God's fury, God's wrath, God's anger, on humanity and planet Earth. And certainly Jesus Christ took all the anger and wrath for us. So as 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says and 5.9, they both say that we're not destined for wrath and that we're not destined to go through the wrath that is coming. And so he's promised us, as he promised in Revelation 3.10, to take us out of the testing that's coming upon the world. So Jesus is coming back to rescue his bride before that same Jesus breaks open the seals in Revelation 6 and sends wrath on the earth. So it's a rescue operation, it's an extraction operation, and Christ will rescue his bride before his wrath comes on planet Earth. In the book Global Reset, you write, the only true global resetter is God. What did you mean by that statement? 
Yeah, well, since God is the one who created the world, he's certainly the only one who can reset it. And the Bible tells us not only is Jesus going to come back, but that he's going to reign in a millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and after that, create a new heavens and a new earth. And this is where it gets just really exciting, all the troubles and all the problems that we've had in this life, all the problems that the tribulation saints will go through, all those things will be done away with because God's going to push the reset button and make it new and good and righteous, not from a human standpoint, but from a divine standpoint. And there we'll enjoy a life that we never could have dreamed of with Christ sitting on the throne, uh, righteousness dwelling. We're in glorified bodies. We're able to worship him. We know everyone. We're experiencing life at a level that no one has ever experienced, not even in the Garden of Eden. So God is certainly going to reset the world. But before that, there's going to be a satanic reset before it happens. Jeff, there may be someone listening today who needs to reset their life, come to Jesus Christ and get saved. Would you take a moment and explain how that person can receive Christ? It's really very simple. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to do. The gospel is really about us embracing what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And by showing his love for us on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. In other words, he went to hell while he was on that cross. God punished him with his wrath. He withdrew his presence from Christ which is the penalty for sin. And Jesus took all that, took our sin on him, so that we wouldn't have to take that sin on ourselves in eternity and eventually in the lake of fire. And so the gospel is just simply when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, we accept that payment that he made on our behalf. The Bible says we have eternal life. We become children of God. We're guaranteed security of our salvation forever, and we get to be with God. And so besides that, James, we also get to live an abundant life and to know God while we're here on the earth. So that keeps us from going into the tribulation, suffering under God's wrath and Antichrist. So it's really kind of a win-win situation as opposed to a lose-lose deal, which is where most people are today. The book is titled Global Reset by Jeff Kenley and Mark Hitchcock. Jeff, thanks again for being on the program with me today. James, always a pleasure. Thank you. Learn more about God's Great Reset, Plan for Planet Earth and Humanity in the new book, Global Reset by Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock. Global Reset will open readers' eyes and alert them to how world leaders are using the Great Reset agenda to seize pandemics, natural disasters and catastrophes, civil disorder, political unrest, and other current events to reshape every facet of life, all pointing toward the universal economy and godless global government of the Antichrist. Prepare yourself spiritually and arm yourself with information. Find answers to the questions everyone should be asking about current world events and how they may be ushering in Christ's return. Order Global Reset by Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Friend of Watchmen on the Wall, Greg Patton, comes now to encourage us during the final week of the year, during our Gleanings Week. Well, here we are, this time of year, once again. You know, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 6, comes a reminder that God, through Jesus Christ, has given each of us gifts to use for His glory. You know, the holidays can be a great time to use your gifts for that purpose, to shine the light of Jesus Christ while bringing joy to other people. Certainly is a big deal for ministries during the holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, in giving. And there's always a great need. 
I've emphasized this in my many decades on the radio of encouraging people to give to Christian radio and specific ministries like Southwest Radio Church. We know this ministry has been a blessing to you, and it's exciting weekly to hear about what a blessing it is. I've been talking to some people recently about how God has used giving. I guess we were talking about gleanings where this all got started, and what is that exactly? It's really pretty simple. Gleaning in the Word of God is an important concept that you and I as believers ought to take to heart. I mean, we ought to remember to cheerfully and generously allow others in need to glean from so many of the blessings that we have received here in 2022. And of course, in turn, then we would do well to realize that our blessings have been gleaned through God's goodness and God's grace from His abundant fields. We all win here. And then as a child of God, we ought to live in readiness for our great gleaning in the future harvest when the Lord returns to thresh out the grain, gather up His people, and divide, dispense with the chaff. I was looking up some examples today. Gleaning's an important story, of course, with Ruth, the Moabite widowed daughter-in-law of the widow Naomi in Bethlehem, to stave off complete destitution. Ruth gleaned grain in the fields of Boaz, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. That's in Ruth chapter 2. We know what happened. The landowner Boaz was so moved by Ruth's concern for her elderly and grieving mother-in-law that he instructed the harvesters to go beyond what the law required to help her. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Ruth 2.15. The harvesters, dropping handfuls of purpose for Ruth to glean, is a wonderful illustration of the grace of God and something you and I should consider this time of year. Has God blessed you this year? Are you willing to share some of the abundance that God's given you? It's always needed in Christian radio, and again, Southwest Radio Church. God has blessed and used this ministry in a mighty way this year. I know I've been excited to be a big part of it, and the men and women that I have met through the ministry, it is exciting. Some examples, let me talk about this for just a moment. Let me give you a couple of stories. When I first got saved, I knew nothing about giving or tithing or helping out in any way the local church. And boy, when I would drop $5 in the offering plate on a Sunday, I thought, oh, there you go. I had no idea. The lessons that God has taught and how many times that is multiplied over the years. We just continue to learn from God the lesson of, well, gleaning and giving. Again, what does that mean? The Hebrew word for glean is lagak, and it means to collect and gather up and pick up. Gleaning is the gathering of grain or other harvested material left behind by the reapers. In the Bible, the Israelites were commanded to allow the poor to follow behind reapers and pick up leftovers, as we shared here with Ruth. Spears of grain, fallen grapes, and this way, the law of Moses provided food for the poor, the orphans, and the widows and the resident aliens there. The law specified that landowners must leave some of the harvest for gleaners. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. 
Do not go over your vineyard a second time and pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor, the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. One day I uh, was at our former church and there was a man who I knew did not have a great deal and I was working the area of evangelism through the local church and, and he came up after the service and again, being a novice in the faith to say the least, you, you learn a lot. Been with the Lord now for almost five decades. Yeah, I've learned a lot. This man came up and shook my hand and there was $20 and, and I knew he didn't have it. And I just said, uh, nope, can't do that. You use it. The Lord can do something special in your life. And I gave it back to him. I couldn't wait to get in the pastor's office and tell him what I'd done. It did not go well. Pastor said, you did what? I, I was shocked by his response. He said, do you know what you've done? I thought I was going to get a pat on the butt. You have robbed him of a blessing and you lost. Really? Oh, I learned that lesson that day, my friend, and we've never done that again. Oh, no, you don't do that. If you are blessed in some way by gifts, whatever they might be, and there are many ways gifts can come your way, thank God for it and praise him and, and don't rob a blessing of that person. We had a man off the street, believe it or not, in our former church, got saved, Joseph. Oh, what a story to watch his progression as he again began to live for the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Well, that was Joseph. And he had a dream even when he was on the streets of Indianapolis in Fort Wayne, that dream of someday opening a vitamin herb shop. And uh, it's happened. Great things God can do in your life if you will let him. Hey, giving's got to be one of the most important things in all of your Christianity. He was at my church recently, and oh, so many things happened over the year. God sent him a beautiful woman. He's had a bunch of kids, and it's just been so exciting to see that he is a master giver. In such a way, he was at my church recently, visited after a service, and I said, wow. I said, is that your car out in the parking lot? It was a Porsche. What? A Porsche. $76,000 used. And others who know this man reminded me that he has given several times of that kind of money away to others. Oh, yeah, my friend, you cannot outgive God. And oh, something for others, leave it behind, let them have it, give if you will again. I just want to share with you this time of year that there's always a need, and we're coming down the wire for 2022. If God should lay it upon your heart to help Southwest Radio Church, absolutely. It would be a blessing to us in so many, many ways, my friend. Get on board. Be a part of supporting what Southwest Radio Church is trying to do. We are looking forward to what God is going to do in 2023. And as I remind folks on my daily radio show, it's only possible because of you. You keep this thing moving forward, my friend. And we're so grateful at Southwest Radio Church. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for the love that you share with Southwest Radio Church. It is very, very special to us. 
God bless you and thank you. Prepare yourself spiritually and arm yourself with information. Find answers to the questions everyone should be asking about current world events and how they may be ushering in Christ's return. Order Global Reset by Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Messianic Rabbi Eric Walker examines Genesis 3.15 and how that prophecy connects to every other prophecy in the Bible. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.